politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, our property, and the issues that matter in the way they matter and at the time they matter. If that's what you're looking for, there's no place like CR Podcast. And this is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today, Friday, end of the week, headed into Thanksgiving week. And we have a lot to be thankful for. We also have a lot to be fearful of. So maybe we'll do the negative this week and talk about the thankfulness next week. If I had to pin you in a corner and say, what is the most important issue? That's a really tough thing to answer. Because every aspect of our life, liberty, property, culture, civilization, humanity, life expectancy, everything's on the chopping block. There's nothing that's not. But there is something that stands head and shoulders above everything else that you cannot avoid, that affects our life quite literally more than anything. And yet that is the thing that has been completely avoided by nearly every Republican at every level. And that is the COVID poison shots. We can't get beyond that. That our government can work with big pharma, big corporate, big tech to unleash a bioweapon on society marketed as a cure that makes you get the virus more, erases your natural immunity, spreads RSV and the flu and other respiratory viruses, and then kills and maims people from every organ system ailment and malady you could ever imagine. Today, we are going to give you the numbers. The closest thing we have to honing in on specific numbers of top-line deaths and injuries And it will leave you wondering, how is this the greatest thing that has ever happened to humanity? And when I say greatest in a negative way, and yet it is the shot not heard around the world. It's the dog that didn't bark. And no one's talking about it. And what do we do to make this the issue? What do we do? And, you know, part of the problem, I'm always wondering, what is wrong with our people? How come the rhinos get away with stuff and there's so many bad issues and our people don't care about issues? One of the things we've noticed since the election is all our people care about are election results itself, not the policy results that should be engendered based on those elections. And, you know, to put a positive spin on it, I think the reason is that our people are more family oriented, they're more godly. And they're more fulfilled. I don't have it in front of me, but there's numerous surveys that show this. That conservatives are happier than liberals. (laughs) It's funny. I don't sound very happy. And I don't make you very happy. But generally speaking, we have families. We have, you know, more loving marriages than, than certainly the other side. And we have God in our lives. There's more to life than public policy and politics. So our people just aren't as into it. And it's got to really, really harm us in order for us to realize it. But at some point, we got to realize you can't avoid it. Again, even if you don't get the shot, 
But they have so many more coming down the pipeline, they could be self-spreading. And to a certain extent, they kind of are. And there's no enlightened consent. My two-year-old likely has RSV as she's on the mend. But my wife was terrified to send her to the pediatrician because we're already on the outs with him. And because we, we, we blew through the two-year-old checkup because we, we didn't want to get all the transhumanist shots that they, they make the baby a pin cushion every, every appointment. You can't avoid this. We need laws in place to protect bodily autonomy, to provide a shield of transparency, a shield of protection against pharma and their bioterrorism. This is straight up bioterrorism. And I want to I want I want to give you the numbers. We now have it. There's too many data points that are aligning very closely together that demonstrate just how ubiquitous this is. So basically, as you well know, the VAERS numbers alone are light years away from the threshold for which we typically will pull a medical product from the market. Yet, Republicans, to this day, just based on that, refuse to call on the government to pull the shots and in the red states use their leverage at a minimum to recommend against it and refuse to distribute them, at least from the state government, and certainly to fund it and to, and to help put out information to enlighten the public not to take them. Just based off of that. But as we always knew, we always knew the VAERS numbers are underreported. I'm sure you guys could vouch for this, but everyone I know in my life who was injured from the shots, they did not fill out a VAERS report. They just don't know about it. It wasn't worth it. Time-consuming. It's very hard. So we're, we're trying all these clever ways to figure out what is the underreporting factor, the URF. And that would give us likely the full scope of death and injury in the United States from the shots, roughly. You'll never get an exact number, but roughly. Now, not only do we have a resource that gives us a numerator and a denominator to figure out that underreporting factor, but here's the deal. That data is from the CDC itself. So, look, we already have the top lines, almost 32,000 deaths, Reported in VAERS, 183,000 hospitalizations, 138,000 urgent care visits, 211,000 doctor's visits, uh, 16,300 Bell's palsies, 54,000 myocarditis, 17,000 heart attacks, 5,100 uh, miscarriages, 59,000 or almost 60,000 permanently disabled, uh, almost 35,000 life-threatening injuries, 15,000 shingles, and so on and so forth. Well... Some of you might remember we talked about V-Safe, not to be uh, mixed up with VAERS, V-Safe. Evidently, the CDC had their own pharmacovigilance program, aside from just the people reporting in VAERS, but V-Safe from day one. And from day one, they were seeing an 
unfathomable level of injury. And they covered it up. It wasn't until, what, like, uh, you know, a little bit more than a month ago that attorney Aaron Siri, on behalf of the Informed Consent Action Network, uh, it's Dell Big Trees Outlet, they got it released from the federal court that this thing exists. And not only does it exist, they have data. Now, roughly, I think 225 million Americans got two or more shots. If you want to rope in one, it's even more, but two or more, uh, the full, you know, the original full course of it, 225 million Americans. Now, we don't have data from that. We don't have data. But what we do have data from is roughly 10.6 million. That's a pretty big sample size. CDC has from 10.6 million of them. They agreed that when they signed up for the shots, they got this card to sign up for the VSafe app and to report their experience back to CDC. So this is not some right-wing news outlet. This is not some you know, far-flung study from a non-cool medical journal. This is CDC's program specifically set up the CDC and the people themselves to report. And we talked about this already. Among the 10 million people, there were over 70 million adverse events. Nearly 8% of the 10 million had to seek medical attention, often several times, to deal with injury or ailment. Roughly a quarter of all the individuals had to miss work the next day. And 4.2 million, 4.2 million of the 70 million ailments were classified as being serious. 4.2 million. This is hard data that was in the hands of CDC for over a year and a half, and it was not disclosed to the public. This in itself, we've talked, we've talked about this already. I'm not saying anything new. But this in itself should be the biggest issue. But Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, 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 Biden crime family. Make it personal. Make it petty. Make it about politics. I'm not saying it's not important. But none of them are even talking about this except for Ron Johnson. Unfortunately, he won't have a gavel because they're in the minority. That was probably the only reason for them to take the majority would be for Ron Johnson to have a gavel. Unfortunately, he doesn't. But none of the House members are talking about that. I'm not hearing enough state legislatures saying they're going to take all the measures necessary and we're going to point out what needs to be done. But this is what we need to fight for. That's what we knew already. But there's something new that just came up based on this data, that cracks this wide open, and I want to share the numbers with you. First, our sponsor today, unlike Pfizer, which is all pain and no gain, what about the Upside app that's literally only an upside? Obviously, gas prices, food prices are now off to the races. Everything's expensive. Everyone's looking how to save money here and there. What if I told you you could get 40 to 50 cents cash back per gallon of gas. So you're knocking off, you know, good 40, 50 cents. Same thing on food, restaurants, uh, you know, grocery stores. To, to get started, download the free app, Upside app, in the App Store or Google Play. Use my promo code CONSERVATIVE. So right off the bat, you get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, you claim an offer. So what does that mean? You see an offer. So you put in your zip code and you see, okay, uh, you know, this supermarket, this Shell gas station, BP, whatever, and you want to fill up, so you you download the Upside app, you check in at the at, at the business, 
and then you go and you fill up and you pay as usual with a credit card, debit card, get paid, and then you get cash back. It's either you link your bank account or PayPal or however you want to do that. And it's much more than the 1% back you get on credit card. This And and you could still do that. But this is with Upside. Their users are earning more than a million dollars a week. That's probably why they have a 4.8-star rating on the App Store. And that's why uh, my wife and I use it as well. So download the free Upside app. Use promo code CONSERVATIVE to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more with promo code CONSERVATIVE. So, folks, we now know how many people put in vSafe adverse events reports. Now, someone thought of something very ingenious. Open VAERS, terrific website, they aggregate, aggregate the VAERS entries for you so you could see the top lines of these red boxes. So they have a blog post there, Liz discovered a way to query how many of those vSafe entries, those individuals who filled out vSafe entries, also filled out a VAERS report. You see what I mean? Because we now have a massive universe of people reported vaccine injury through vSafe, through the app, and now we could take a look out of those 10.6 or so million, how many reported uh, how many are in VAERS. And that will give you an under-reporting factor. All from CDC. VSafe is CDC. VAERS is CDC. Numerator is um, the number of VAERS entries. The denominator is total VSafe individuals. What does that give you? I'm just going to read from their blog. The split type field in VAERS allows us to see which reports have come from vSafe. This is not a field you can search in Wonder, CDC Wonder. However, you can search it on the Open VAERS website. And we have a new page that breaks down the vSafe symptoms and, and events. Since 782,913 vSafe participants required medical care, then 782,913 vSafe participants should have received a phone call telling them to fill out a VAERS report, and there should be 782,913 reports in VAERS marked vSafe. That's not what happened. Instead, there are only 30,492 vSafe reports in VAERS. 30,492. You take that number, you divide it by 782,913, you get 3.89% of the number that should be there. In other words... You have an under-reporting factor, a URF, of 26. And that's it, folks. That is the undercount. Dr. Jessica Rose has a good um, uh, post on her Substack on this. And by the way, she she pegged it pretty close. She was talking about a URF of, of uh, 28 a couple months ago, so very close, 26. Now, again, this is not exactly because it's not the entire universe. It's 10 million but it's a nice sampling. And if anything, let me make this very clear. If anything, you could see a reason why this would be a bias more towards people that are more trigger happy to, yes, fill out a VAERS report. Because by definition, these are the people that eagerly agreed to sign up for the VSafe app and 
likely at least some of them, all of them were supposed to get a call to say fill out a Vera's report. Whereas everyone else, no, they didn't even know about theirs and certainly was discouraged and no one told them about it. No one certainly told them to fill it out. So, you know, if you're trying to come up with confounding factors as to why the, the 10 million V-safe universe might not be, and then obviously the, you know, 782,000 of them that got injured at, at, at a clinical level, uh, why they might not be representative of the broader uh, you know, injury pool in the country, if anything, it would point to the fact that they would be more likely to fill out a VAERS application, not less likely. But you have an URF of 26. So I said to myself, and, and I'm going to publish this, I said, wait a minute, I'm going to go to some top lines that Open VAERS provides for us, and I'm going to multiply it by 26 and see what that looks like. Now, again, not all underreporting, not all injuries are going to maybe have the same URF. But even if this is a fraction of this, and also, again, there's confounders that it could be even more. So I think this is a good number. So now what I gave you from Veris before were the international numbers. So what I did is I just took open Veris, just the U.S. reporting for Veris, because VSafe is U.S., so we want to have apples to apples. Right now, we are giving a, we want to know how many people died or were injured in the U.S. Now, to be fair, VSafe does not give us data on death. It's only um, injury. So we don't, we can't say definitively the URF is 26 for death, Although, and so you could say, you know, death, okay, that's more definitive, that's more likely to be reported, could be true. Also, it could be the opposite. The person's dead. What, the bereaved family is going to sit and fill out a theirs, whereas you get injured, you're upset, you fill it out. I could see it the other way, too. Again, we don't know. And remember, while death is the most obvious, in other words, the more serious it is, the more obvious it's from the shot, but that would only be the immediate ones. We now know definitively from several mechanisms of action that people could die months and years later and indeed are. And certainly all the cancers are not going to be in theirs. And we know, I mean, the amount of things I'm hearing from radiologists and everything, it is, you, you can't miss it. It's just like the birth rates you can't miss, the heart attacks you can't miss. And it's all over the news. I mean, civilization is dying the death rates up, birth rates down, and no one cares. But anyway, so I took the U.S. numbers. So the U.S. numbers is 15,000 deaths in VAERS. I won't bore you with that, but I'm just going to give you, if you take the top lines of VAERS in the U.S. and you multiply it by 26, here's what you're going to get. 392,496 deaths in the U.S., and those of you who followed me very keenly will note that we've been honing in by now that I've been saying it's likely in the upper three. So that was a very, at least as horrific as it is, but intellectually that was a very satisfying number because it really does jive with everything we're seeing. 392,496 deaths. I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. 392,496 deaths. That is utterly insane you would get 1.852 million hospitalizations from vaccine injury. 
1.852 million. 2.751 million urgent care visits, 4.55 million doctor's visits, 61,750 cases of anaphylaxis, right? That's supposed to be very rare, rare interaction. 61,750, 154,000 roughly Bell's palsies, which that's very believable. 47,164 miscarriages, but I would note miscarriages, it's a no-brainer that if the average URF is 26, that's going to be well greater than that because it's so hard to trace. Um, So the 47,000 is low. 161,226 heart attacks, 237,000 myocarditis, pericarditis, 205,000 shingles, and three hundred, roughly 350,000 life-threatening injuries. That's a holocaust. That is an utter, utter holocaust. And again, I want to get back to the, um, the death number, 392,000. So again, you know, you can't necessarily use V-safe I mean, you have the right to extrapolate the injury URF for death. It's just that you don't have a death number in VSAFE. But it is interesting that ethical skeptic who's been tracking based on the CDC mortality, weekly mortality numbers, it's amazing that my extrapolation is very close. I, I estimate 392,496. He has, he doesn't call it vaccine deaths. He says, Unknown sudden deaths that are unexplained by any other factor, 401,100. So it's within 9,000. So he's at 400 already. And and just in general, he added up. He has a whole methodology for this. 132,580 non-natural deaths caused by missteps in COVID. 442,850 deaths from denial of treatment. And then the sudden deaths, which are likely vaccine it adds up to 976,530. Almost a million people died in the United States alone from the Crete. Well, actually, no. He's only including the government's reaction to COVID and missteps or purpose steps. But you have to add in the virus itself. Now, I think half of that, the 442, is the lack of treatment. But, but if you add in the virus, you're going to get at least 1.5 million in the United States. They created a virus. They blocked the treatment for it. They locked people down. And they created a bioweapon that they injected in almost everyone. And certainly every, everyone over a certain age or almost everyone over a certain age. And they have more of those bioweapons being mandated coming down the pipeline. There is more gain of function coming down the pipeline. And it's not even issue number 100 in the GOP. You tell me what could be more vital to humanity than this. Now you understand my why I have such disdain for the Southern Republican governors that pimp COVID fascism and, and, and the vaccines. But they're like, oh, I'm pro-life and I'm anti-abortion. Screw you. This is a forced abortion. But I want to get back to those death numbers. Another very interesting thing about this 392,000 number that, that you know, I've extrapolated just kind of doing the simple math based off of the work of Open Vares and Dr. Jessica Rose. So the UK has recorded 
23,287 non-COVID excess deaths over the past seven months. So it was April through October of 2022. If you extrapolate that for the U.S. population, that would be 115,000 excess deaths in in a seven-month period. So if you extrapolate that for 22 months, what do you get? Well, I, I, I didn't do it on a calculator, but what is that, 350, 360,000? And I would argue that the extrapolation has to weight it more in 2021, meaning if this number is dying in 2022, there are much fewer people getting shots now than were then. So you could easily see, based on the UK numbers, how 392 is, is a pretty pretty good number. Um, so I feel very confident about it, but, but again, even if the URF is, is only 10, only 10, so it killed a hundred, 140,000 people. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like if you want to half my numbers, which is almost for sure, not true, this is a Holocaust. And interestingly enough, I mean, I can go on and on, but these numbers align closely with other data points across the world. So, for example, there's a Saudi study we talked about before of a 1,000 teenagers who received COVID shots in Saudi Arabia. They found that uh, um, a hospitalization rate, meaning who had to be hospitalized post-vaccine, 1.265%. If you extrapolate that for the U.S. population, that's 2.82 million. And that kind of jives with this. And again, it gets murky. It depends what you want to consider hospital. So my numbers, that would work at the 2.82 million hospitalizations. The numbers we have is 1.8 million hospitalizations, but then we have 2.7 million urgent care visits. So you kind of, you know, again, you average that out. You include some of the urgent care. Very much tracking in at least a rough enough ballpark to give, give a sense of the scope of injury. And then also... And I could go, again, I could do this all day, but I'm just picking one or two points. We talked about uh, Germany, their largest medical insurer. They had data showing how many people had medical billing for vaccine injury. And if you extrapolate their numbers for the same percentage of the U.S., um, so, so again, their numbers show what? Their numbers show a minimum of a doctor's visit. There's doctor urgent care, hospitalization, death. They don't break out those numbers. But at a minimum, what we would call clinical-level injury, defined by, at a minimum, seeking an outpatient doctor's consultation and having a medical billing for it, I, I forget the number. I don't have it in front of me. But if you take the German number, multiply it by the amount of people that got the shots in the U.S., which is much bigger than Germany, you get to 9 million patients. Interestingly enough, if you add up the numbers I just said from in the U.S. from death, hospitalization, urgent care, no, not, not death because that would be redundant, but um, the, the three, hospitalization, urgent care, and doctor's visits, it's like 9.2 million. So again, very interesting. The numbers are really, really driving. Then I said to myself, okay, this is in the U.S., if this is the degree, degree of damage caused in the U.S., well, what about around the world? 
So I made a very simple extrapolation. I said 646 million doses have been administered in the U.S. Okay, 646 million. And that resulted in 392,000 deaths, you know, and, and roughly 9 million clinical level injuries. So I said, well, if that, if that resulted from 646 million doses, how much resulted from 12.94 billion doses administered globally? What would be the global number of death and clinical level injury? And now, obviously, it's going to matter. You can't just take the doses because, um, you know, it's going to matter. Did you have, was your country more heavy on third and fourth doses because it's dose dependent so that the numbers are going to be even higher, but it should average out globally. Again, we're not, this is back of the napkin envelope. It, the importance is not to say, oh, it's 8.6 million deaths or 7.4, like, you know what I mean? This is a Holocaust, but this is, this is, I have the right with the data we have to be making this extrapolation because every bit you could say it's, it's, it's overblown. You could say it's underselling it too. But anyway, simple math. Take the doses in the U.S. It resulted in in this much based on our extrapolation. Well, what if we applied that, multiplied that times whatever that is, times 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 thirty? Um, I can't do the math off the top of my head. Um, twenty five, whatever that is. However many more, however greater the global doses administered are than the U.S. Assuming the rate of injury would be roughly the same and uniform which you can't assume that exactly, that would work out. Are you ready? How many people died in the Holocaust? You know, they say 6 million. Some do say 7 million. 6 million. 7.855 million COVID shot deaths globally. Now, if you extrapolate globally the rate of clinical level injury in the U.S., defined again by a doctor's visit, urgent care visit, or a hospitalization, that would add up to, are you ready? 183 million clinical-level COVID jab injuries. So 7.85 million deaths, 183 million clinical-level injuries. You tell me there's an issue of greater importance than this. And here's the deal. We are just starting to see the midterm range level injuries and deaths. We're just at the bottom of the mountain of this unimaginable tsunami of cancers and autoimmune and exacerbation of existing diabetes and heart conditions and all this stuff. The years of life lost. So in other words, this is as crazy as this is, even if the shots were completely ended tomorrow, these numbers, and unless God has mercy on us and intervenes when we don't deserve it, they will go up exponentially. I mean, this is not like shooting in the moon. These are solid numbers based on CDC's VSAFE and VAERS. And again, I could bring you many other data points, life insurance, medical billing, Israeli health ministry surveys. Um, there, there's... Uh, uh, our, our our buddy Aaron um, from New York, he's he's put together for me a list of like 18 different surveys that were done in different countries. And and you take a lot of that. It really does, you read them, it, it, it 
it, it's in the realm of this this magnitude of injury. And this is not even issue number 100. And they have more and more and more that they plan to foist upon us. They're not done. These people are not done. Our government did this to us. I mean, look, I'm in utter shock too. I don't know what to tell you. But yes, it's this bad. And, And folks, they have mRNA for everything. Not just um, RSV and viruses. I don't know if you've seen this. They have a fentanyl vaccine that they're going to come out with. So I want you to think about this. Our government works with the Chinese to basically have them develop this fentanyl revolution a decade ago. They give the Mexican drug cartels the chemicals to make the fentanyl. Our government works with the cartels to bring them in and open our border. Then at the same time, With criminal justice reform, we let out all the drug traffickers, induce this crisis. Oh, and then, wait for it. Here's a fentanyl vaccine for you. And, I mean, we, we we cannot get beyond this. It's being created by researchers at the University of Houston in the form of a three dose shot that provides the user's blood with antibodies that eliminate fentanyl from the blood. Someone sent me, um, uh, the the stu- the study on it. I mean, it is bad. The materials in it and everything. This is going to keep going on. You tell me in what way this is not an even greater pro life issue by a magnitude of a thousand than the abortion issue. Yet they won't touch it. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. That's a waste of time if you're not going to touch on this. This is bioterrorism. To a degree that in our worst imagination in the days of the aftermath of 9-11 could have envisioned Bin Laden achieving. He didn't have the ability to do that. This This is just, it's unbelievable. I'm sorry, I just can't move away from this. Do you know it's published in Nature. They were joking around about this. We flew the airplane while we were still building it. That's what they said about the um, about the the COVID shots. Flew an airplane while we were still building it. That's exactly what they did. It's just it's just sick beyond beyond belief. It was it was retired head of vaccine R and D at Pfizer, Catherine Jansen. That's what she admitted. We flew the airplane while we were still building it. There's a Swiss study we, we mentioned before, an estimated one in 27 women who got the mRNA COVID shot had evidence of myocardial injury, and they all had higher, 100% had higher troponin levels. A quarter of healthcare workers were unable to work after their bivalent vaccine. European excess mortality rates. Are you ready for this? European excess mortality rates in July 2022 versus the average from 2016 to 2019. Okay? So we're comparing July 2022 to a four-year baseline pre-COVID 
and pre-COVID vaccine. Okay, so that's, uh, you know, washed out. You don't have to worry about that, about that cl- clouding the data. And what do we have here? Cyprus increased 32.9% above that average death rate. Spain, 36.9. Greece, 31.2. Portugal, 28.8. Malta, 26.4. Italy, 24.9. EU averaging 15.8%. And by the way, interestingly enough, I saw somewhere in Scotland, there was a news article there that they're seeing um, the survival rate from heart attacks plummet among well-to-do people. And what they mean to say is that typically... They, they had studies on this that they had a better survival rate in heart attacks than than lower income people. And again, everything goes along with socioeconomic status. They're just healthier, okay? But now it's com- it's been completely washed away. And in fact, they have a they have a they have a lower survival rate than low income. Now I can't prove this, but I know this is true in the U.S. and I would imagine it's true across the globe that when you get to the upper echelons of the elitists their vaccination rate was much, much higher. So that, in my mind, would affect the averages. It's just the Frankenstein, like you have Frankenstein cancers, Frankenstein blood clots, and you have Frankenstein strokes and heart attacks from these shots. It is just unimaginable what these things have done. And that's the death rate. What about the birth rate? What about the birth rate? So... I want to read to you from a terrific um, Substack newsletter, COVID and Coffee. Okay, you could look it up. Um, Jeff Childers, he's a Florida-based attorney, and he he puts out a great newsletter. And you look today, Australian fertility has fallen off the cliff. Since 2011, monthly birth figures down under have consistently ranged between 23,000 and 28,000 live births every month, like clockwork. But something started happening in October 2021. In that month, Australian births fell below the recent historical low point, scraping the bottom around 23,000. That was a drop of almost 10%. Bit troubling. But then in November, the bottom fell out. Births in November 2021 posted only a little bit over 18,000. It represented a drop of another 21% under the previous recent record low set in October. We're talking about thousands upon thousands of Australians that should have been, but will never be born. But then the numbers get worse. You go on to December 2021. Again, this is right around the kind of that nine-month mark, marker of when people got the vaccines. The, the, the numbers clocked in for births at 6,659. Okay? That was literally a quarter of the average. (laughs) One quarter, not a quarter reduction, a quarter of the average of the typical monthly births for many, many years. 75% drop. Um... And, and look, I mean, there's articles. You read from an article in there, Australian birth rate increases for the first time in 10 years. That's what they say. It increases. Their birth rate increases. So he said, I thought that must have been a mistake. But then I found the official Australian records going back to 1975. Glenn, the census expert and his corporate media cronies and 
Is that that's the guy who had that article? Are demonic liars pushing a crooked government narrative? Here's how he did it. It turns out that he's right. In that 2021 had a little baby boom in the first quarter, maybe following a period of lockdowns. So when you add up all the births for 2021, it comes to slightly 5% more than 10-year average. But Glenn sadistically ignored what happened during the last three months of 2021. Here's the thing. December 2021 posted the lowest births for any month since tracking began in 1975, and it's not even close. The next lowest month after December 2021 that I could find was 17,742 births all the way back in November 1978. In the last 68 years, there's never been a month under 10,000, never, even when there were fewer Australians than today. Just eyeballing previous recent years, December 2021 should have posted around 25,000 births. Instead, there were just 6,659. Australia also reports that 72% of all citizens have received at least three doses. So that's very close to that 74% reduction. So very good work there by Jeff. But folks, we need to do something about this. We cannot allow this to continue going on. No issue matters if this is not properly dealt with. That's the bottom line. No issue matters matters and we got to force jordan and comer to investigate this at a federal level but ultimately it's not just about investigations we need to stop it stop it at the state level so what does that fight look like in the states so so obviously you do have to start with the mandates because even the mandates aren't over with yet they're they're still mandating the shots for kidney transplants in many places other parts of red states, I'm hearing all the time. Heck, uh, Notre Dame University just announced in Indiana they're requiring what the new the new booster. I don't want to hear this private sector business. I mean, you want to tell me private sector? This is from Trial Site News. It's from Trial Site News. CDC spent fifty two point five million embedding Pfizer's PR firm into its vaccine communication and advisory operation. So the government became one with Pfizer, unleashed it, censored. You can't say, oh, well, uh, then the private sector, they could do what they want. No, that's fascism. The state has to interpose. So one thing needs to be clear. All public and private mandates must be criminalized, prohibited, and fined, and in certain cases, jail time, mask, and vaccine, public and private. Period. No exceptions. And it's very important. People think the mask is over with, but now is precisely the time not to walk away in the legislature when it is unpopular and it is regarded as stupid by most voters. Now's the time to really go hard on it. Because the bottom line is, at least where I live, it's still being enforced in healthcare settings. So you might think, oh, that's just healthcare. So all these red states, a lot of them, the few that did deal with it, they put in a healthcare exception. But that's the worst place. These are people that are Alzheimer's patients, cancer patients, pain patients, people in distress. That's the worst thing for them. I mean, especially the patients, but, but even, even the workers. So anyone who works for healthcare... For the rest of their lives, they have to wear a mask all day? I mean, we have ADA laws where 
Businesses have to affirmatively spend money to actually accommodate disabilities and discomfort and health concerns. So you're saying you could put something on. This is not two years ago where eh, maybe it's a stupid idea. This is known to only cause problems and certainly not help. How could that not be like poisoning? Oh, hey, I can asphyxiate you. I'm a private business. No, you can't do that. You want to get rid of anti-discrimination laws? ADA laws, OSHA laws, fine. But if we're going to have them, we're going to apply them where they're needed the most. So we need a full bore ban on that, fines, and I'd say certainly like school children or something. If anyone's caught forcibly masking a child, it's a year in prison. I'll I'll buy a beer to the first uh, legislator that introduces that bill. That needs to happen immediately. And again, I think in as many states as we can, we should codify into the state's constitution, at least to the degree of public accommodation areas, um, it can never force an individual uh, into anything on or into their body, any medical device, um, and cannot discriminate based on someone exercising that right to bodily autonomy. That needs to be there. And then with the vaccines... All mRNA shots need to be suspended until specific benchmarks of transparency and safety are met. Then you need, the legislature needs to create a committee, um, an advisory committee, but ultimately the vote would be conducted by a group of legislators on on a committee, but they had an advisory committee, they would appoint a diverse array of people, and... No new vaccine can be approved within the state, meaning that a state cannot spend money on it, cannot market it, cannot endorse it, cannot recommend, and certainly cannot distribute or mandate it. Well, it can never mandate, but not distribute until that committee signs off on it. And I would write in the legislation certain parameters. Like, for example, if there are no, um, if there are no human trials, then... It can never be approved. Things like that. We need a bill bulking up employer um, liability. So, for example, even though the whole liability issue needs to be fixed at the federal level, and you can't directly hold Pfizer and Moderna responsible, but you can hold those responsible for requiring others to get it. Now, I'd say ban mandates, but in addition to that, say, hey, and if anyone, anyone does and you got injured from the shot, you could have a claim against that employer or medical school or college. And also related to that, states need to specify in their anti-fraud laws. All states have trade fraud laws to, as much as possible, rope in Pfizer and Moderna. Because to be clear, we have enough evidence that it's not just negligence. Oh, you know, okay, so they're exempt from liability. It's fraud. They engage to this day, it's fraudulent marketing. Grand juries. We talked about that before. We need to convince that the laws change depending on the states, but whether it's the governor, whether it's the attorney general in red states, legislature, and that you have to check your local laws to convene grand juries investigating all of this. That's the opening act. And then obviously, we need bills protecting doctors' licensing, that doctors cannot have their medical license um, challenged 
for treating patients with off-label drugs, for speaking out against vaccines and masks and medical dogma, that medical boards cannot discriminate against those individuals either. We need, obviously, legislation. You know, a big one is, is the pharmacies. The pharmacies are becoming a very big problem. And it's not just ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. It's, it, this is growing legs. And so you have to understand part of the Fourth Reich, what do they want to do? They want to shut off food and fuel and medical care. So those are the vital needs of a human being, medical care, food, and fuel, and then surveil, control us. So kind of like what they're doing with energy, with picture effective medications as fossil fuels. Okay, they want to get rid of that. So how do you get rid of that? Now, doctors are very much controlled, work for systems, work for corporations, but you know there still are a certain number of doctors that are free-thinking and will prescribe properly. But what's even more controlled are the pharmacies because that's literally, with few exceptions, Walgreens, Rite Aid, CVS, that's all corporate. Much more so than even doctors. So if you're the Fourth Reich, the government pharma complex, and you want to steer a certain medical outcome for certain treatments, block certain treatments, what are you going to do? You're going to make the pharmacist king over the doctor. And hence, that's what we're seeing, that they were able to veto doctors' prescriptions for COVID, but then for the unsafe bioweapon Paxlovid, they could prescribe it, dispense it without a doctor's prescription. And I was thinking about this uh, you know, the other day. My, my mother needed a prescription filled, and you know, had, had a doctor as a surgeon um, wrote it, and the pharmacist was like, you know, the insurance company is rejecting it. They feel it's too much, and, and we concur. We also are rejecting it. Who the hell are you? What in the world? That needs to stop. So we need legislation immediately, and, and, and you guys need to work out, research who has the bill in your state, and if not, find the best members, have them introduce it, and, and you need to fight for it. Kansas HB 2280 from Senator Mark Steffen is, is a good uh, example. And, and I forget the House member who, who introduced that. HB 2280, basically, and, and, and this is not just a matter of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine bills. You need a broad bill, and it's not even um, off-label stuff. It's just everything now. You need a broad bill that a pharmacist can never deny a prescription unless unless there is a religious conscience problem or unless he can prove that it's contraindicated. But other than that, he must fill it. And if the patient is denied, there's a private cause of action to sue for medical damages to that pharmacist. I'm telling you, this is so important. Medical freedom, the the ability to seek and obtain life-saving care. There's nothing more pro-life, more vital than that. The biggest way they're going to choke that off is through the pharmacies now. 
and insurance companies. And by the way, we should do it. We should put in the bill too on the insurance companies too. We need to clamp down on denial of coverage. And I know I sound like a liberal, but I'm not. I'm all for getting rid of the entire insurance system, Medicare, Medicare, this and that. But if we're going to have Medicare, Medicaid, and all, and, and the employer exclusion, tax exclusion for medical insurance, that the government props up the insurance cartel, and then on the subsidy side, then on the regulatory side, we have guaranteed issue, community rating, scope of coverage mandates. You better believe we're going to apply it evenly then. I'm not playing this one-sided free market game anymore. We don't have a free market. So they engineer their outcomes, we'll engineer our outcomes. You want to call it a day and go back to free market healthcare? Let's shake on it. Otherwise, we're going to apply your standard. But these these are just some, some small things that need to be done at a state level. States need to investigate the scope of vaccine injury. This is something that's very important. They need to investigate Anyone who died within 30 days of taking the vaccine, death certificate data, medical billing data, and they need to put out reports on that. Another thing that needs to be done is ultimately we need protections in school and doctor's offices. They cannot discriminate against patients that don't want vaccines. Not just COVID, but all of them. Because here's the bottom line. We have Anti-discrimination law up the wazoo. No one could say, I don't want you in your office, in my office because you're gay. And I'm scared I'm going to get AIDS, right? They'll get slaughtered if they do that. Likewise, I bet you no doctor could say, I'm not accepting anyone who got the COVID shots. Which, by the way, that would be scientific because they can shed. And they do cause the proliferate. They're radioactive. Whereas someone who... Ops, not the absence of getting it, not getting the shot, by definition can't hurt someone who did get it because if it works, it works. Like, I don't want to be around those people who didn't get their MMR, didn't get DTAP, didn't get whatever, shingles, didn't get um, meningococcal. So what? But you have it. Garbage in, garbage out. It works or it doesn't. That needs to stop immediately. Medical freedom, bodily autonomy, baby. We need a revolution on all of these issues. And before I forget, speaking of just just uh, medical freedom, uh, you know, with ivermectin, remember the Together trial? That was the trial funded in part by the Gates Foundation that was designed to make ivermectin look bad, look like it doesn't really work. Go to together togethertrial.com. Okay, they have a website. And you'll see prominently, just scroll down slightly in orange, it's funded by FTX Foundation. Right? That's Bankman Freed's cryptocurrency that is now disgraced and filed for bankruptcy and was the second largest donor to the Democrat Party, money laundered, funneled money through Ukraine. All comes together. They funded the study to torpedo ivermectin. What does that tell you? What does it tell you about both the importance of ivermectin, but also how vicious the biomedical state is? I, I shudder to think of the number of off-label drugs that are safe and have potential mechanisms of action against all sorts of forms of cancer that are being stifled. 
that they'll try any chemo drug that will make someone sick to death in three seconds, but they'll stifle stuff that worse comes to worse, no runs, no hits, no errors. Best case scenario, it adds five, 10 years to your life. Ivermectin, by the way, is one of them for certain forms of breast cancer, other cancers. That's that's very much a passion of mine. Um, that's another thing that needs to be done, especially in states that spend a meaningful, not all do, but states like Florida spend a meaningful amount of money, their own state money, not just federal money, on cancer research. It needs to be go into randomized controlled trials on um, off-label, off-patent, already FDA-approved drugs. You know, an interesting thing, just to demonstrate how we cannot live in the same country as these animals. Senator Ed Markey from Oregon, he commented on Elon Musk not banning free speech. Like, for him not banning it, he said, a private sector company is not free to engage in any activity at once to that enhances its profits, even if it harms individuals within our society. No company is free to do that. Wow, that's news to me. So Pfizer could get their product marketed, endorsed, funded, and mandated by government at every level more than anything in the history of humanity, and they have greater profits by a, mar- time, by a factor of five than ExxonMobil, and they could kill people with impunity. And that's okay. But Elon Musk is a danger by not censoring views. That's like, that's like a public health concern. You, you can't bridge the divide with these people. We need a national divorce. But we're not going to get it if the red states are like blue states. If every red state health department, sans Florida, is still promoting these Holocaust shots. It's absolutely crazy. I just want to end off with a thought extrapolating on what we said yesterday about running independence, prominent independence. Let me give you an idea of an example I mean. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, unfortunately, we have to wait four years for governor now. But this next cycle in two years, and the primary starts soon, although we'd bypass the primary, the other Senate seat, Bob Casey, is up. I'm just going to tell you, I my idea is we should run Kathy Barnett as an independent candidate where she could break free of all this morass, all this GOP taint, and run on medical freedom, run against transhumanism, run for the people and not the elites. That's everything that Oz was antithetical to and allowed Fetterman to literally outflank him on the working class vote, on the populist message, she would have that in droves, and she already has a nice base of support, but I think she could appeal to so many people in the middle as well. That's the type of person we need to think about. We need a coalition against this transhumanism. I mean, folks, a lot of you might have seen this uh, G20, the G20 summit in Bali, and they endorsed you know, digital vaccines, digital vaccine passport, digital ID, Item 23 in the White House's printout. We recognize the need for strengthening local and regional health product manufacturing capacities, cooperation, as well as sustained global and regional research and development networks. We support the WHO mRNA vaccine technology transfer hub 
as well as all the spokes in all the regions of the world, with the objective of sharing technology and technical know-how on voluntary and mutually agreed at terms. So they're going all in on this mRNA. We acknowledge the importance of shared technical standards and verification methods under the framework of IHR 2005 to facilitate seamless international travel, interoperability, and recognizing digital solutions and non-digital solutions, including proof of vaccination. We support continued international dialogue, collaboration on establishing the trusted global digital health networks as part of the efforts to strengthen prevention and response to future pandemics that should capitalize and build on the success of the existing standards and digital COVID-19 certificates. This is the other leg of it in the red states. All digital surveillance, digital healthcare fascism, digital tracking, digital IDs need to be banned and anyone caught doing it, there needs to be civil and criminal cause of action. This is what I need help with. I need help monitoring the who and what in all these states. I can't do them all. This is the most important legislative session of our lifetime. It is quite literally nothing short of our lives, our children's lives, the birth rate, the procreation of humanity on the line. We have never faced anything like this. And this is just one sphere. These mRNA shots, 7.8 million deaths we estimate so far, 183 million uh, clinical level injuries. That's one sphere of the transhumanist agenda. Multiply that by every other facet of biomedical technology, food, fuel, you name it. And we, we are living in an era where we cannot afford politics as usual, the petty R versus D, Biden this, eh, eh, investigate nonsense. We're going to focus on the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter with your help. Send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. Try to come up with a list of at least a few dozen to send the show around. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes with a comment if you can. It helps with the algorithm, gets the show around, and... Send me a note, Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. If you want to be a state team leader, if you're familiar with the legislature, legislative proceedings, and, and we can maybe gather you know a few dozen in each state as part of your team, it's very time-consuming, but if you're looking to help, that's what I need. We'll discuss it more next week. Folks, hope you guys have terrific family time this weekend. Until next time, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.